Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Simon Taylor, Head of Organizational Effectiveness at Gap Inc. Simon is a recognized thought leader in organizational leadership and the author of the upcoming book, Build Smart, a blueprint for building a high-performing organization that is set to come out in April 2024. Simon got his start over 13 years ago in talent acquisitions at the Walt Disney Company, and his career journey has led him to advising senior executives at world-renowned organizations, including the aforementioned Walt Disney Company, Warner Brothers, and Amgen. He's also led HR for the tech startup Graphic, where he helped guide the organization and was their head of people prior to its acquisition by Amazon in 2017. Simon joined the team at Gap Inc. in 2022, first heading up talent management and organizational effectiveness for their Athleta brand. And just this past August, Simon became Gap Inc.'s head of organizational effectiveness and change management. Now, in addition to his dedicated work in organizational leadership, Simon is also a nine-time national champion rower and he draws upon his principles of elite competition to craft his innovative, unique approach to building high-performing organizations. Look, at the time when many organizations and workforces are experiencing uncertainty and crafting their new employee experience in real time, having HR teams with a blueprint and strategy capable of driving the direction of their workforce can make all the difference in success, and Simon is a great resource to tell us why. So let's get him introduced. Simon, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks so much, Josh. So glad to be with you. Well, it's great to have you on. I'm excited to really delve into all that is around organizational effectiveness, learn more about just how essential that is for success of organizations. But let's get you introduced to our audience first here, Simon. So if you don't mind sharing, what was that initial spark that led you to pursuing a career built around talent and people operations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it was funny. I was in college at the time and I had this professor who encouraged me to do this assessment called the Strong's Interest Inventory. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I took this assessment and it told me a few things. One, one is apparently I'd be a good florist and optometrist, but that didn't quite resonate. But according to my scores, that's what came up. Um, but, but it did mention corporate trainer. And I was like, oh, corporate trainer, what's that? And so I went down the rabbit hole, learned about this field of organizational development, which is really where, sort of where the passion sparked. And... And yeah, I just really sort of gravitated to that, was fortunate to get an internship at MTV um, in college and org effectiveness, org development, talent management, and sort of things went from there. And so I think, you know, fundamentally what what pulled me into this space was I love the idea of building healthy, high-performing organizations and paired with that art and science of enabling people to bring their best to work. So um, I love it. It's It's a great feel. That's fantastic. So Simon, help us start here with unpacking a bit of organizational effectiveness. What is organizational effectiveness? Yeah, I mean, I think high level, I'd describe it as a way to optimize how the organization operates to better achieve its goals and adapt to change. It's a close cousin of organizational development. If you know, I'm sure you've heard about that, that sort of field. Um, I think where it's maybe a little bit more unique and how I describe org effectiveness in particular is it really takes a systems thinking approach to organization. So it's looking at a number of the other different levers, if you will, within HR, so talent management, leadership development, culture, org design, diagnostics, strategic planning, and sort of employee engagement and enablement. 
And like, how do you bring these things to bear to be able to really pull through the strategy of an organization? So I'd say that would be how it, how it, I sum it up in a nutshell. In a way, it's sort of a, a way of thinking and a way of operating. And you're sort of pulling on these different levers depending upon the need and, and what the what the business needs at a, a given point in time. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's right as its name states. It's finding a way to really optimize and make your organization as effective as possible, looking at all those various levels that so many of our HR audience and HR teams touch and work on on a day-to-day basis. So looking at that with an HR lens, Simon, where can HR teams make their biggest impact and contribution to organizational effectiveness in 2024? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say one thing that's been a theme, I think for a few years now, and I think it only ramped up during COVID and shows no signs of slowing down, is just the real critical importance for organizations and for leaders to be able to successfully manage change. And, you know, I had someone ask me recently, you know, what do you see as the future for HR? And of course, no one has a crystal ball. But I think the key thing for organizations, for leaders, is to think about how do we build our capacity and ability to change? because change will happen. Um, and so I think that's a really key point. And so to, to put it in a nutshell is I think good change management is a real key um, capability and a big opportunity for HR to really strengthen, continue to strengthen their, their skills and their knowledge and their comfort level around um, and to be able to really support their leaders to be able yeah. to lead change well um, and sort of bring their, their teams through the change curve, so to speak. Yeah, I can't think of a better period to focus on change management than right now as we're coming at the end of 2023 into 2024. We've seen just so much change in the workforce over the last three years that certainly having that that right mindset to adapt to change management, to guide your team through change management, that's a great place to focus and really make an impact within an organization. I mean, right now we're looking at return to offices, something that is completely up in the air. We could look at, at AI's integration into the workforce right now. Um, you could look at even teams that have gone through layoffs and how are you doing more with less? There's there's so much that has been upended in the day-to-day workforce that uh, yeah, HR teams are at a crucial point where they can really be that guiding light. Totally. And that common denominator across all those examples, like you said, is, is change. Yeah. And so, yeah, how do we get good at change? Because it's not going away. Right. Well, and, and change can oftentimes be a good thing too, right? Change just doesn't come from negative environment or, or negative impact. Sure. Change can also come as you're adapting and looking to carve that new path going forward. Absolutely. So looking at organizational effectiveness, I also want to look at organizational ineffectiveness. And this is where I think we can be really helpful for our audience here. What are some red flags of organizational ineffectiveness that HR leaders need to be aware of and looking out for? Yeah, great question. I kind of think of it in a couple of ways. One would be to consider there's like leading indicators and lagging indicators. So a lagging indicator would be attrition. You've got employees leaving, you know, who knows why they're leaving? You know, that's a good question to dive into, but you're already a bit late by the time that they're putting in their resignation notice. Um, Leading indicators, you you can get those from uh, employee engagement surveys, from checking in with leaders, um, checking in with employees, stay interviews, things like that. So I think that's sort of one one way I would think about sort of how to how to spot for organizational ineffectiveness, as you put it. Another way um, I would think about it, and where I kind of tend to hone in on in terms of a red flag or an area of opportunity, and it tends to be something that all organizations have opportunity around and work that they're doing around is culture. And you know the primary role of culture, and I go into this a lot in my book, and it's probably the topic I'm probably the most passionate about actually 
is culture's role is primarily to support the strategy of the business, to, to sort of augment the ways of working and thinking in a way that's compatible with the values of the organization to be able to drive results. And so it's, how, it's really how things get done, that's culture. And so if we back into that for a moment, is if the business has poor results, if it's not growing, if it's struggling to be able to maintain or gain market share, then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what's the culture like? You know, what, how are people working with one another? What are the prevailing mindsets, the perceptions, the beliefs, the ways of working that are common within the organization? And I think generally, just you know, speaking broadly here, there's usually some room for opportunity there when, when results are not great. And there's sort of that, that leading indicator, if you will, of culture not being great, which is then the downstream lagging indicator of business results not being as great. So I'd say a good red flag to always watch out for um, in any time for any organization is culture and making sure that the culture is really compatible um, with the values of the organization. So that people are experiencing those values in action. And especially it's sort of configured, if you will, optimized to really drive the strategy of the organization. Yeah, I love that. Simon, what do you see as, as signs of a good, healthy culture? Or conversely, what are those signs of something maybe where they're struggling in a culture? I think that's a great place to start, right? Start with culture. But what, what should you be looking for? What are those signs that it's either working or not? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think as I touched on a little bit, there's, you know, you'll see indications from data, from um, attrition, from employee engagement surveys. That's an indicator. I mean, as I mentioned, business results is going to be an insight as well. Um, and that's you sort of back into that to say, okay, well, how are we working and operating in a way that may be hindering us or hampering our ability to successfully deliver results. And so when I think about that, I think I hone in around what I'll call broadly ways of working. And so, you know, one thing I've done with one organization uh, was I conducted a survey that really dove into ways of working. How do we operate? Uh, how are we collaborating across teams? Do you feel like you've got clarity in your role, clarity around your work? Do you have capacity to do the work um, that's in front of you? All of these things connect to culture, decision rights, meeting norms. You know, this is sort of the day to day of like how organizations actually run. You know, like if you were to pull someone aside and at 2 p.m. on an afternoon and ask them, how's your day going? What was that meeting like? Were people speaking up? Were people being open or were they sort of self-censoring or holding back and not feeling like there's that psychological safety? You know, these are all different signs and indications. And so, you know, I think doing a survey is one way to get at these kinds of things. Focus groups could be another. Um, ultimately, you know, leaders have some you know, opaque view as to what the actual culture is, but ultimately you've got to go to employees and ask them. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I think of it less in terms of maybe what are the signals of a maybe less than optimal culture, but more of how do I go about diagnosing, if you will, or, or ascertaining what the culture is, which again, I think is really just talking to employees. Yeah. Start with feedback. Feedback is key. That becomes really a central theme with so many conversations I get to have with HR leaders is get feedback from your employees. And really, that'll give you a sense of where you stand and, and what you need to improve on and, and where you're struggling. But certainly, yeah, ask for feedback and have those conversations along the way. I think it's a great place to start. Yeah. And what can be really helpful just practically is doing some kind of a culture assessment, which you're working with a model that looks at the different sort of dimensions of a culture that could be around level of tolerance with risk. It could be level of collaboration within the organization. Uh, it could be sort of tensions around how people engage with, with the work and sort of how they're operating and approaching that work. 
So the different culture of vendors or assessments out there that companies can leverage. Uh, I think it is helpful to have some kind of a framework to be able to have a, a bit of an outside-in view and a bit of a framework to get a guide the thinking. Because the one thing that's interesting about culture is you're assessing it through the lens or through the, the glasses of the culture that you're already in. And so there can be a level of unintentional bias. Right. You sure. know, oh, we're, we're totally, you know, we, we totally are innovative and we, you know, tolerate healthy levels of risk. It's like, okay, well, maybe, but it, maybe not, right? So having a diagnostic can be helpful. Yeah, sometimes it, it's great to get additional perspective too. I think you always get that great opportunity too when you've got new entrants into a group to gauge where your culture is too. Sometimes you get almost jaded to what your culture is or you just feel like, yeah, everything's working, everything's great. Um, I always find with my teams, when I have new employees join our group, they're the best people to ask, okay, how are we doing? What do you like? What don't you like? Yeah. What's working? What's not working? Because you'll see it pretty quickly when you come in from an outside perspective. Absolutely. It's a great call. All right. So Simon, as I said at the open, we're really going through this challenging time for so many teams as there's so much uncertainty and change being felt across the workforces as teams are really charting their path going forward. Tell us about this unique role that HR teams have right now in being a guide and a guiding light for their workforces out of these tough, challenging patches that we're in. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with sort of being that support and guiding light. You know, I think HR's role has always been important, but to your point, it's maybe more important now than ever. And I think, you know, I reflect back on the, just that those couple of years through COVID and how disruptive that was. And I think one silver lining on all of that is it really put a greater spotlight on the importance of the employee experience and that business is not just about business results. It's also how we operate and, you know, providing a quality experience for employees and, you know, environment in which they can thrive. And so I think one thing that HR really led well on, um, and of course, there was, you know, we're all figuring this out together through COVID, yeah. providing flexibility to employees, providing resources to enable them. Um, just one, one uh, shout out, and then, you know, I have no explicit association with this organization, but Lyra, it's L-Y-R-A, they have a, they're a great um, sort of employee support resource that has a um, number of organizations work with them where they provide um, counseling and coaching and things as a part of the employee benefits package. I've seen organizations really pick that up and run with it. And I think that's a great um, resource because there's only so much that HR can do, um, so to speak, because there are things that go on outside of work too. And I think, I think HR has done a great job of sort of bringing some of those things into a greater level of focus. Um, also, I would say, you know, where, where HR is, has been doing a great job and where there's, I think there's still a lot of work to be done, to be honest, speaking generally here, is continuing to equip managers to be effective in engaging and supporting their employees. I think that sort of that perennial issue of um, how do we continue to strengthen manager capability? Because as we know, that's that's so important. And we know that a lot of folks leave their jobs because of their, their managers. So I think that's um, what continues to be a top priority for organizations. I saw some research out of, out of Gartner, I believe, um, recently that sort of touched on that as well. So, Yeah, that importance of supporting, especially middle management, yeah. it's been well documented, has felt the most stress and strain over the past few years. Backing that middle management team up and really helping to support that group yeah. can be a great way for, for HR teams to directly impact and guide their teams through these challenging times and really come out better and stronger on the other end. Yeah, totally. And I think practically, you know, there's always training and organizations often have some kind of training for managers. You know, in my experience and observation, I see some impact with that, but it's it doesn't have a significant impact on behavioral change. 
And so going back to my point before around change management is thinking about like what are the multifaceted ways in which we can enable and engage and sort of motivate, if you will, and to some extent managers to really prioritize their employees' well-being. So I think that hits on a number of things from, yeah, training's good, simple job aids, you know, like just really simple job aids. And I'm getting very tactical here, but oh, please do a one-pager, like given managers a one-pager, you need to have a difficult conversation with your employees, here's a one-pager for that. You want to do a check-in on goals or, or how things are going, give a simple resource for that. Um, giving managers goals as well so they feel incentivized and they're rewarded based on based on their contributions and support for their employees are just a few examples of ways i think we can think in a, in a multi-dimensional multi-faceted way um, of really enabling manager effectiveness and by extension the good employee experience yeah that's great i love that thought of having a toolkit really supporting your managers by giving them resources that are flexible as well that fit kind of the managerial need as they come up yeah. But then also providing those goals too, I think is always going to keep challenging and, and helping to improve your managers as they grow. Yeah, Moving that bar higher and higher, I think is a smart way to, to effectively kind of upskill your managers as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. So now as we're looking at really what makes HR teams effective in weathering the storm, are there any must-have skills or strategies that you've seen that HR teams really should practice and possess to keep their workforce on track? Great question. You know, if we think about the true north here is we have a healthy, high-performing organization, the question then becomes, well, how do we how do we do that? And what is HR's role? And I think, you know, HR has a real opportunity to be have a real strategic seat at the table when it comes to how to have a healthy, high-performing organization. And there's a few things that I touch on in my book that I think are really well, I more than touch on, I've written chapters on it to be clear. Um, but I think are really foundational and fundamental for organizations, but they often can get, often, often HR can get distracted by other things that are important, but not the most important. And so I think really shoring up and making sure there's real clarity and alignment across the organization around the organization's mission. Do we have a compelling and clear mission and not some mission that just sounds good from a PR standpoint to put it bluntly, but actually is is a real mission. Like this is the mission. This is the purpose of why we exist and we're serious about it. We talk about it. That's one. The second would be values. You know, you know where I'm going with this. Like are there, is, is there a gap between the stated values and the actual values that employees experience day to day? So HR has a key role there in being able to be that, that organizational conscience in a certain sense to be able to identify gaps and bridge those. Um, vision. We often talk about vision as this again, sort of grandiose, sort of ideal utopian future. We, our vision is that we will solve this you know, problem that frankly, we have no hope of solving. I really believe there's so much power in having a compelling vision that's attainable, maybe three years out, five years out to stake in the ground. In my book, I talk about um, the statement, win the national championship. That was the vision of my college rowing team. Right. Win the championship. It was very clear, no ambiguity around it. And we would know if we would su succeed or fail against that vision. So I think HR is a, a role to be able to coach and support the CEO, the executive leadership team, even for their departments of like, do you have a vision? Where do we want to be in a couple of years? And how are we organizing ourselves to be able to accomplish that? So, you know, those are three ones. We could talk about strategy and culture too. But I think, you know, HR really honing in on, again, back to the business, back to the basics. Like, how does, what does an organization need to operate and be effective. And then HR sort of orienting itself to be able to spot 
where are the weak points? Where are the opportunities? What do we need to shore up um, to be able to make the organization run faster, run further, and um, create a great employee experience in the process? Yeah, it goes back to those fundamentals and really just going to the simple tactics of what are we here for? I love that you mentioned just clarity on mission to start off. Yeah. And that is so essential of just saying, okay, what's our purpose here? What are we aiming to achieve both internally as the HR team, as the people team, but then as an organization, what are we aiming to achieve? And you set those clear benchmarks that'll certainly make you more effective and just operationally just stronger. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a key enabler of being able to do that work and all the other work that HR does for the most part is really keen problem solving skills. And one thing that I, I see as a real differentiator in HR professionals is, you know, we all have challenges, organizational challenges and opportunities we're presented with. But in my, in my experience, great HR professionals are able to correctly diagnose and hone in on the root cause issue and really go after that. And that's actually a pretty scarce thing. It's a rare thing to be able to find someone who's, who's got that sort of keen this, um, sort of insight and determination and sort of inquisitive mindset to say, okay, like, why is this happening? And let's drill down a few times to like, you know, ask why a few times and really think about what the root cause is and then have that that courage to be, to put it, I think in that way, yeah. be able to um, say, Hey, I think this is the issue. I think we need to go after this. And usually the more fundamental you, you get in terms of the, the root cause issue, the closer to home it can be for leaders and the organization. Yeah. But I think it's sort of a case of doing, you know, going slow to go fast and taking a moment to really hone in to problem solve. What's the root cause, what's really going on and going after that. Yeah. Courage is a great word to call out there, Simon. It's courage and honesty to be able to say, okay, this is the problem and address it, right? Yeah. It's not going anywhere. You can dance around it all you want. So just go right at it, address the problem, not waste time, not waste resources, finding other solutions, address that problem right at the start and you're going to be more effective as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So Simon, looking at what's making teams perform well, do you see one quality that stands out as being kind of essential to high-performing teams that sets them apart from their competitors? And if so, what would that be and what can HR teams do to help support that? Yeah, great question. I think there's a lot of enabling things that go into high-performing teams. I touched on a few of them at the organizational level in terms of direction and mission, vision, et cetera. I think there's some important, really critical enablers from a leadership standpoint. Um, particularly around providing clarity, building trust, and creating a positive team climate. But when it comes to teams specifically, I think of it in these four different ways of how to build a high-performing team. Um, team composition, and I'll, I'll go into each of these. Team composition being one, the operating rhythm of the team, two, the behaviors of the team, which is really critical, three, and then how do you develop a team, four. So just to kind of briefly touch on each of those is team composition I think it's really key to think about not only who are the people that have the skills to, to be on a team, you know, they, they fit the skills and the job description, but they're also a culture fit with the company. And, and this is the part that I think is, is not always thought about necessarily, and there's a lot to think about when hiring someone, so I get it, but are, do they complement the team? Do they have the complementary skills and sort of do they create that beautiful mosaic of diversity of thought and experience to be able to bring their own unique um, sort of skill set and perspective to the organization. And, and that sort of way, there's that saying, I forget exactly how you said, I think it's sort of the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole or, you know, yeah. whichever, however you say that one. Um, so I think that's, that's really key from a composition standpoint, having the right people there um, on the team that support one another and complement one another. 
from an operating rhythm standpoint, this is this is not like a very sexy topic, right? But I think it's also so critical um, and worth talking about, which is is you know if you think about what a team's role is, fundamentally it's to be able to coordinate and collaborate to solve certain problems. And so if a team you know needs one another to do that, they need to be able to connect and collaborate in a way that produces results. And so creating a strong operating rhythm that's really fine-tuned for the team um, is really important. So when I say operating, ry operating rhythm, just to be clear, it's sort of that cadence of meetings and touch points and connection points to go from high-level strategy and lot of broader ways of working and sort of behavioral norms at the sort of highest level down to like very tactical touch bases and what are the different mechanisms to be able to stay coordinated, collaborate, monitor progress, check in, all of that. So operating rhythm, I think, is so key for high-performing teams. The third piece on behaviors, I think, is a really interesting one. And it was uh, I did a bit of research on this in my book, and I, I was looking at the Space Shuttle Challenger, and the, we all sort of know that story of the, of the unfortunate, very unfortunate incident. I think it was in the late 80s or early 90s where the Space Shuttle Challenger um, blew up you know, a few minutes after flight right. and, you know, horrible stuff. And, you know, there was a whole assessment, as you would imagine, uh, conducted by the government as to why that happened and what went on. And so there was some specific things that happened, obviously, technically that led to led to the, you know, the the accident or the incident rather. Um, but but what they also found from their report was that there were these underlying behavioral norms that existed within the launch team that actually led to, that was the root cause, that led to the disaster. And in fact, there was, there was one of the key engineers um, the night before the launch was basically saying, hey, it's going to blow up tomorrow. If we launch, it's going to blow up because there's these technical problems. But the leadership didn't want to hear it. And they just were like, no, we've got to meet our deadlines. We need to do this and so on. Um, and so I think about the behaviors of a high-performing team. I think there's really three that are fundamental and essential that all teams need to be able to possess. And I think fundamentally, number one, it's trust. There needs to be a foundation of trust within teams. Two, accountability. Everyone's clear on what we're all accountable for and we follow through um, and we can trust one another to follow through. And then three is candor. You know, we, we're open and we have that candid dialogue. And, you know, all three of them are important because if you have candor, for example, without trust, then that's not going to be good, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so you can see, you know, how this can play out. And in development, I think, you know, I, won't, uh, I don't want to take up too much time on my answer, but development's so key. But in a nutshell, I think it's, you know, obviously understanding the skills that are needed for the future. But um, I think a crucial ingredient that we often don't do a great job on in HR is creating the conditions that incentivize people to demonstrate the behaviors that they're learning through development. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But I think those four things are, are really key for high-performing teams. Uh, I asked for just one, and you gave us the you gave us the lion's share right there, Simon. So I, I do appreciate that. It gives our audience of HR professionals some great takeaways. Something that I, if if I can do that with my episodes and my conversations with guests, then that's a win. Thank you for doing that, Simon. I think that gives our our audience here just a great look at ways to really set their teams up for success and how HR can be really integral in that process. Yeah. So again, I'm here with Simon Taylor, head of organizational effectiveness at Gap Inc., and author of an upcoming book, Build Smart: A Blueprint for Building a High-Performing Organization. Simon, as I mentioned, that will be coming out in April 2024. What would you like our audience to know about your upcoming book? Uh, feel free to share anything you'd like to get our audience excited. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Thanks. Um, 
Well, I'll share a bit of the background of sort of what led me to write this book over what was a yeah. seven-year process because I really wanted to get it right and and it for it to be useful for folks. Is one of the things I noticed in working in different organizations and talking to folks is that leaders are often grappling with the same kinds of issues. And what what happens is they they can tend to recreate the wheel in trying to figure out how to build that healthy, high-performing team or organization. And as leaders um, go out there to try and figure out what the best approach is, they're relying a lot on their intuition, which is fine, but sometimes they don't have, you know, this isn't, this isn't necessarily their professional the time to think about team effectiveness and so on. Um, and the resources out there are really overwhelming. Um, I mean, you, I think I did a search on Google for leadership development or leadership attributes and it le- yielded about 500 million results. So, you know, it, wow. it's a bit overwhelming. So I just felt like, man, there's an opportunity here to be able to provide leaders with what I hope is an ultimate resource on how to build a healthy, high-performing team and organization um, where leaders can think about those topics that really matter from creating a clear vision to building high-performing teams to how to structure my team to how to hire well to how to build a great culture um, what are those leadership attributes that are really the most critical? So, you know, that's what I, that's what I did as I wrote sort of this, this blueprint of sorts that really aims to arm leaders with, with what they need to be able to pinpoint where those big opportunity areas are in the organization and then provide them the how, which is where oftentimes things fall flat, um, the how of how to solve for those specific things. So it's sort of my hope is that it's sort of one of those books you, you keep on the bookshelf, not too far from you. And, you know, you've got an interview, you pull it out, you need to restructure, you pull it out. You know, you're hiring some, someone new on your team and wanting to take things to the next level. It's a resource for you that way. So um, that's a bit about the book. Uh, that's fantastic. And as I mentioned, we've got that coming out in April 2024. So we will certainly have you back on after the book releases to revisit the book, go back into that, delve in even more into the blueprint. But the intent is in the title right there. It's a blueprint. It's meant to really be that guide for organizations as they really look to be more effective and really navigate through change management going into 2024. So it's great timing uh, with that coming out, Simon. And we're all excited for you here. And we'll certainly uh, keep revisiting that. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So now, Simon, as I mentioned at the top, really like to share your story. So to close out here, I want to delve back into a bit of your journey. So let's start with something you've learned in your latest role. What's something you've learned about yourself in your latest role as head of organizational effectiveness at Gap Inc. you feel has made you a better leader? Yeah. Well, I talked a bit earlier about how change is, is the constant to use that, that slogan. And, you know, I think every organization is going through change and Gap's not immune or unique to that. And so one of the things that I think I've learned about myself is how important it is to stay stay flexible um, through change, to not hold things with too tight of a grip because, you know, the environment changes, the customer's evolving, the, the landscape's shifting, and that all ultimately trickles down to, you know, me and my role and my team and, and the work we're doing. And so I think just it just has been a fresh reminder and learning, continuing to learn as we all do about the importance of flexibility, adaptability, and really honing in on what are the needs of the business and going down that path and sort of in a way anticipating that things could change along the way and being prepared to pivot and evolve and support as needed. So I'd say that sort of that, um, that's been a real key learning for me and something that I continue to try and keep front of mind is keeping that flexibility and adaptable mindset. It's a good one. Yeah, you, you can understand the importance of flexibility theoretically, but until you're actually placed in that position where you're forced to be flexible and forced to adapt, 
that's really where where the learning happens. Yep, for sure. All right, now, Simon, throughout your career and as you've really built this this really impressive career built around organizational leadership, has there been a piece of professional advice that you've leaned on that has helped carry you through in advance that you could pass along to our audience of HR professionals and recruiting professionals? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know how how insightful this may be or, you know, new revelation for, for your listeners, but for me, what's honestly been so helpful is just really following the data. And, you know, there was, I think, a big push probably in the mid-2010s or so around HR becoming more data-driven. And I think that was a remarkable pivot for HR to really hone in on the data. And, you know, that was sort of dovetailed with a lot of the pulse survey evolution from census surveys to ongoing pulse surveys. And that's been great, great for organizations, great for HR. Um, so I think, you know, really honing in around the data, it goes back to my point before around understanding root cause issues. I think if we can really get data on on what it is um, that we're trying to tackle and understand how it's working based on data, where possible, um, I think that's just such an asset. And so that would be, I guess, the advice that's helped me so much. Hopefully it's, you know, a fresh reminder for all of us on the listening um, just to continue to keep the data front of mind so that we're not yeah. swayed by, you know, one person's opinion or group think or things like that. Well, and what better time to use data when you've got so much at your fingertips? Yeah. I mean, we've got the tools now that we have and access to information that we have at the end of 2023 going into 2024 is unbelievable. And I think that was a great time for HR teams to be reminded, yeah, use that data, use what you have and act on that. Absolutely. And with AI kind of becoming pretty front and center right now, I think there's just going to continue to be more and more opportunity. And so I, I think what I've been thinking about and what I've been challenging myself with is how do I stay current? Yeah. Is AI getting more and more sophisticated? And I think those that are on the, the front end of that are going to, you know, they'll serve them well and serve their organization well. So staying current on AI will be important. Well said. All right. So we're, again, we're here with Simon Taylor, Head of Organizational Effectiveness at Gap Inc. Simon, for our audience, do you have anywhere if they would like to learn more, either about your upcoming book or engage with you that they can get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Probably the best way would be to um, just reach out to me through my website or you can see, learn about my book more there. It's simonataylor.com. Beautiful. All right. Nice and easy. And we will provide a link to that through our site post on HR Daily Advisor. So for our audience members who are looking to get in touch, either go directly to Simon's site or you can go through us to get in touch with Simon there. Now, Simon, before we let you go, we do have a bonus question that I always ask our guests to close out, and it's all built around motivation. So you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Well, that's a great question. Gosh, it's funny because I could go down the rabbit hole in this answer because I'm a bit of a self-professed biohacker, which is, for those that aren't familiar with the term, it's sort of like I'm always looking to optimize my, my, my body, my performance, my you know, headspace and everything. So okay. if I were to just hone in on one thing, and this is maybe a little bit out there, a bit radical, but every day I do an ice bath. I love it. And I have it in my garage and I just hop in for a couple of minutes and that supercharges me for the day. So um, that's just like a really practical thing I do because uh, yeah. it keeps me energized and, and motivated. So All right. What's the temperature you're jumping into? 38 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. That'll do it. That'll get you going. Like you are, sure. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it. Well, Simon, that is fantastic. And again, a great way to get you motivated. That'll certainly get your day started off well. So Simon Taylor, Head of Organizational Effectiveness at Gap Inc. Thank you so much for carving out time here on the HR Works podcast today. 
starting our conversation, which we will again continue with your book release that's coming out in April 2024. So looking forward to continuing our conversation there, Simon. But again, thanks for carving out your time today and looking forward to keeping this conversation going. Thanks so much, Josh. It was great being on here with you. Appreciate it. Pleasure was all mine. Thanks, Simon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.